The continuing problem of booked up and overcrowded campgrounds is causing many RVers to search for alternates to campgrounds. And we'll explain in this episode of the RV Podcast how we can have more opportunities to camp in unusual places in episode 352. Welcome, fellow travelers. It's time for another episode of the RV Podcast. Answering your questions, sharing tips, suggesting great trips and off-the-beaten-path adventures, and always staying on top of the RV lifestyle news you need to know about with great interviews and inside industry information. Here's your hosts, award-winning journalists Mike and Jennifer Wendland. One thing about our viewers, they're resourceful and problem solvers. And in this episode, we are going to dig into this movement of campground alternatives, places where you can find a spot tonight or this weekend or next week. Now, we're not talking about Walmart parking lots, although they do come in handy. We're talking about real boondocking spots. Boondocking spots in oftentimes very stunning locations uh, that you can get into and you'll be amazed to find that there are no crowds. Boondocking and dispersed camping sites on state and federal lands has become extremely popular and thanks to solar panels and lithium batteries, we have more independence now. And it's so much easier to go out there and to, and to find off-the-grid spots where you really don't need the hookups because of technology. And that's what we want to talk a little bit about uh, in uh, this episode of the podcast. Now, we've talked before about uh, different alternates to traditional campgrounds, places like uh, Faithful Parking, which lets you park for a small fee in church parking lots around the country. And we've also recently chronicled the whole movement towards um, own-your-own campsites. And we visited that place in, in uh, Tennessee on Kentucky Lake. In fact, they'll be uh, joining us as a sponsor in the podcast this week. So this idea of alternates to regular campgrounds is not new, but it is growing and it is growing fast. But in this episode, we're going to look at two very special ways to camp, Harvest Host and also Boondockers Welcome. Both of those have been favorites for many RVers who have figured out this whole alternate to traditional camping in campgrounds. But what has happened recently is Harvest Host has bought or acquired Boondockers Welcome. And so we want to dig into that. What does that mean? Uh, It's, uh, I think, going to be a very interesting uh, story uh, that you'll hear from the CEO of Harvest House, Joel Holland, who will be our guest coming up in the interview of the week in just a little bit. But we have so much more. We have news of the week, answering your questions, and our new feature, Hidden Gem Camping Sites. And uh, that we had the first one of those last week with Mark Kep. Everybody really found that interesting because we not only tell you about them, we show you it, and it's usually a campsite, a little hidden gem we found that's not far from a very popular area. So that's coming up a little bit later in the program as well. But first, we have some feedback and some interesting things that we have come across in the past week uh, from our followers or things that we have seen on social media. And the first one uh, I want to show, I want you to see it for the first time. I don't think you've seen this. This was actually a TikTok video. And if you've seen a lot of our YouTube videos, we have shown you how um, Jennifer will get out and she will give me directions about how to back into the campsite. And 
I don't know if I'm the only one that sometimes has a little uh, bit of a challenge in trying to interpret what she's saying. So this video, which we're going to play, it was uh, done um, by a, a YouTube couple, and uh, uh, it was pretty spoofy. Uh, they did it to an old rap song, and uh, let's uh, let's watch this now. Those of you who are in, uh, uh, listening to the audio version, you'll kind of get the hang of it, but uh, if you get a chance, go back and make sure you watch the video version of the podcast, because we're going to play the whole clip right now. Uh, you haven't seen this, right? No, I haven't. Okay, so uh, I want you to watch this, and uh, I think you're going to uh, find this pretty fun. Now you can see this guy. He, he doesn't know what she's saying. What the heck are you talking about, it says at one point. And then, uh, and then it just turns into a regular dance. <laughs> dip? What's a dip? Yeah. What is she talking about? He asks the kids in the back seat, and they have a blank look on their face. Then we see her in the rearview mirror, where he's trying to figure out how to come. That was from a Highway Therapy on TikTok. That's who did that. And uh, I don't know if it was just me, but I thought there was a lot of truth to that video. There is a lot of truth to that, but he didn't look nearly confused enough. Yes, he didn't. Yeah, did he? he yeah. looked like he was having too much fun, too. He was having a great time, I think. You're not usually having fun when you don't understand what I'm I don't have a clue what you're saying sometimes. Yeah, I, my I, signals and all that. Now, maybe it's just me. Communicating. If you guys like that, we finally ended up with uh, walkie-talkies, and that kind of helps a little bit. But... Uh, Anyway, that was a fun video, and uh, I wonder how many of you can uh, can relate to that. All right, so what did you find this week? So I've got one that was found on Facebook. Sometimes it is amazing what people are hauling behind their RV. All right, this is a video that shows, holy cow, look at that. It's a pontoon boat that somebody came across on the highway that is being towed uh, are connected to the hitch of a full-sized Chevy pickup truck, which in turn is being towed by a Class A RV. That is one long train, three of them in that vehicle. Um, my That's goodness. incredible. Oh, they've got their bikes inside the Oh, yeah, the, the bikes are inside the pickup. That's good. We wouldn't want them to leave their bikes behind. Where's the kayaks? And <laughs> yeah, what's the matter? You could have had a well, couple more things. I guess they got things. the pontoon boat. So, uh, how long do you think that thing was? 90 feet? No, 60 feet, maybe. 60 feet? You know those big semis that you would pass? Yeah. Those are like 53 feet, the tractor-trailer part. Wow. And then there's the cab. That was every bit as long as that, and I bet longer. How would you like to back into a campsite with that? No, thank you. Or even make a couple of turns with it. I wouldn't want to be... No, I don't want to be near that. Don't even want to be on the road with that. (laughs) Well, whoever took that, um, that was pretty fun. That was from one of our Facebook groups. Okay, one more, and let me put this one up. This is one I found that somebody sent us. I I just call this uh, precarious. And what it is, is a Jayco camper that was parked in a very steep driveway. It was so steep, in other words, to make it level, they had to pile, how, how much do you think? Five feet, six feet of blocks or bricks underneath the tongue and underneath the front of the RV? I mean, I hope they're not in an earthquake zone. <laughs> I um, am, I would be very nervous to be anywhere near that. I wouldn't want to be across the street from no, that. No, no. Uh, 
there should be a law against that, but I guess they probably think no one would do that. I, I, it's unreal. I mean, it's not like a, it's just a bunch of blocks piled on each other. So anyway, that came across on one of the Facebook groups that we follow, and uh, we thought we would share that uh, with folks to see. Now, those of you listening to the audio version of the podcast, you only have us to describe it, so I can't really well show it. But um, if you go to rvlifestyle.com and look at the show notes for this episode, you'll find a link to the video podcast, and you'll find these uh, all on the video podcast. This is, I think, week four now that we have been doing a video version of the podcast where we show a lot of video and a lot of clips from the things that we have uh, have been reporting on. And it's been really well received. It's a lot more work to do, but it's it's fun to it's it's very rewarding to to have you guys uh, watching it and and sending us all those great questions and comments. Then we got this note from one of our followers on Ask Us Anything on Sunday night, and this is quite interesting. We were having a discussion uh, on uh, how important it is to uh, weigh your RV and to have the right uh, inflation on your tires on your RV, and after the show, he sent us this note. We bought a Class C a few months ago and made a huge mistake not weighing it before we wrote the check. After we took it home, we ran it over to a CAT scale, and in disbelief, we saw that we only had 140 pounds left on the back axle to the max axe rating. We had nothing loaded in the rig, empty, contacted the manufacturer, and all we got to hear is that the RV was within the manufacturer's weight rating. So, we had no choice except to dump it. We lost a few dollars, but not terrible. So folks, before you make any deal, force the dealer to run the RV over a scale. It will save you many dollars from RV Lifestyle YouTube channel. That's where you can watch Ask Us Anything. It's on uh, every Sunday night at 7 o'clock Eastern Time. And uh, you'll we'll put another a question that we got uh, from one of our recent episodes. We'll be hearing that coming up in a few minutes. But um, the whole issue of inflating the tire is really important. On the sticker on the side of your RV, you have a little yellow tag, and it should list the exact maximum pressure, the the te- pressure that you should have uh, in each of your tires. Stick to that. Inspect that. Do that all the time before you take off. And one of the things that people forget about is how heavy water is. Water weighs eight pounds per gallon. So you know, on a minimum thirty-gallon tank, you're talking what? Pretty close to two hundred and fifty pounds of water. And some RVs, it's important you know the, it's called the uh, maximum weight that's allowed, uh, and it's, uh, it's on that sticker as well. In our case, uh, we are allowed to, with all the stuff we load, with us in it, with Bo in it, our food, our water, we can have up to 1,450 pounds. Uh, so it's important to know some of the RVs out there, particularly the ones that are mass produced, uh, have very small maximum weight, and that's why, as our caller said, it's important that you know what it weighs empty, what it weighs filled, and you don't want to go over that extra weight because that will cause a lot of wear and tear on your tires. And that's never good. You just don't expect that. I mean, who would expect that? Well, you know, 120 pounds. There are a lot of RVs. I don't know if that's the worst I have heard. Um, and, and that's one of the first questions people should ask when they get an RV is, what's the, what's the maximum occupancy weight of this vehicle with everything packed? And, uh, you know, 120 pounds, 
uh, I couldn't even get it. <laughs> you know, so I couldn't get it. Bo would have to have fun by himself. Yeah. All right. Hey, when we come back, uh, we'll take a quick break. It will be the RV news of the week. So stay with us. Tired of overcrowded campgrounds, competing for reservations, paying high fees for sites? Well, ownership is an emerging trend in RVing that might be right for you. Jennifer and I visited the Landings, a lakefront community just west of Nashville, Tennessee, that offers incredible lakefront RV properties up to 70 times the size of typical RV lots with frontage on the biggest lake in Tennessee. We loved it. The scenery is breathtaking, and you own it outright. Not a timeshare. Your property, your way. You can have your own private dock. You can landscape, garden. They're pet-friendly. It's gated and secure with high-speed internet. There's even free RV and boat storage. A wonderful place to make your home base. No more calling around for reservations. It's ready whenever you want. Dockable lakefronts starting at only $59,900. There's financing and big discounts on multi-lot packages. For information, visit rvlakes.com. That's rvlakes.com. If you've visited an RV park lately, surely, besides all the RVs, you've seen these e-bikes. Jennifer and I are proud e-bike owners, and the e-bike that we chose are Rad Power Bikes, America's number one e-bike brand offering direct-to-consumer pricing on powerful premium electric bikes. Jen and I love our Rad Power Bikes. We use them to go around the campground, to explore the area we're in. I have the city bike version. Hers is the step-through model. And those are just two of a whole bunch of different models offered by Rad Power Bikes. All of them can reach 20 miles an hour with zero pedaling. But of course, you can also pedal. And you've got five different levels of pedal assist to make the going just a little bit easier and fun. You can go between 20 to 40 miles on a single charge. Now, here's the deal. You can save $75 off if you use the coupon code RV Lifestyle at checkout. Plus, of course, free shipping. Welcome back, everybody. And now for news of the week. And we have some news about one of our favorite places in Michigan, the Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. That's in Michigan's rugged UP. And this is a video that quickly went viral. It was uh, taken by some people who were in a boat, and they were cruising up and down Lake Superior there by the uh, by the seashore, looking at the sand cliffs and the displays. And all of a sudden, they heard this crumbling, popping noise, and a huge section of the cliff crumbles dramatically into the water. Now on the video you can hear the people in the boat shouting, one of them swearing. They're saying, move back, move back, get back. And uh, the massive section of the cliff splashed into the lake. Uh, fortunately, they were far enough away that the resulting wake didn't capitalize their boat. Uh, but uh, that was pretty scary. Uh, we love to tell people, you know, to go and, and kayak and see the cliffs by a boat, but it's a good reminder not to get too close to Don't get to too them. close. I think a kayak, you'd be in more trouble. The boats, I think they stay a safe distance back, and I guess parts of the cliff falling down every now and then is common, but it's just normally nobody has a phone ready and records yeah, it. Yeah, I'll give them credit. They kept rolling during the whole thing. So. Yeah. Uh, and that will we'll show, we'll roll that in the, uh, in the video version of the podcast as well. 
um, talking about national seashores, national lakeshores, national parks. We just got through with Fourth of July weekend, and oh my gosh. You know how crowded we've been talking about it, and we'll probably be talking about that. That's the big story about camping these days. But it was something else this week. Um, so let's let's take a quick look at some of the crowds uh, that were at Zion National Park. They posted on uh, social media, the National Park Service folks. Uh, they put a bunch of photos up uh, on Instagram. One of them shows this huge lineup of hikers. Uh, they had been waiting and waiting to be allowed to hike to Angel's Landing. Uh, Rangers had to stagger their entry to the trail in, in small groups. Uh, that's a pretty cool little uh, hike because uh, to get to the very top, you got to pull a little cable because you're, you're climbing. And they had to minimize. They couldn't have you know this massive lineup all climbing at the same time. But their crowds were absolutely something else. And We've been in this RV lifestyle now for 10 years, and we have never seen crowds like this. They wouldn't let them be like ants and just be a steady line, huh? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that photo was something else. It wasn't just Angel's Landing that had crowds. The shuttle buses at Zion, were people were lined up, some said, for as long as an hour trying to get the shuttle bus. I mean, uh, so they, they posted this uh, photo on Instagram as well that showed how crowded that was. And Zion was in the news a lot uh, last week because uh, there was another video that's from Zion that went viral. And that video had to do with a flash flood that took place. Visitors took photos showing rushing water that flooded cars, tumbled boulders, and tore up the roads. We'll show that video with our video version of the podcast on the YouTube RV Lifestyle channel. It's a very impactful reminder of how dangerous flash flooding can be and why you need to be very aware of the weather. The rain that falls can descend quickly, and rain that's far away, not even in your area, you can get a flash flood. It hits in the mountains, you know, and you don't even know it's raining right. and then it comes down. That's kind of what happened at Zion with all the peaks around it. Well, as if the crowds and the flash floods uh, were not enough, it was, uh, again, a continuing heat wave out west. And uh, the folks at uh, Death Valley put out a photo showing a group of rescuers that had to go out and uh, go out into, the, into Death Valley and rescue hikers who... Uh, underestimated how bad the heat really was. And one of the things that really caught my eye in this photo uh, is uh, the fact that after midnight, at midnight, midnight, the temperature in Death Valley can be still 110 degrees, according to the National Park Service. Now, why anybody would want to hike in such conditions is beyond me. It's crazy, but people do, and they have to be rescued. And the uh, National Park Service people uh, posted that photo because they wanted people to know that not only are the hikers in danger, but they put these rescuers in danger who have heavy packs and are rushing to get there and help somebody. And so, you know, their, their advice was in really extreme heat, don't hike, or if you do, don't go, you know, don't go very far. Yeah, just, don't go very far from your air-conditioned car. Yeah, just a, f a few minutes. Yeah, don't take chances that risk other people's lives as well as your own and your friends, companions who you're with. And just uh, hats off to all of the, the emergency crews and the medical personnel at all of our national parks. They have been really stressed this year uh, with so many people, so many rescues, helicopter rescues, people 
trying to go down the Grand Canyon when it's 115 degrees and, and, and it's just insane out there. And I think, don't you think a lot of this is because of, of uh, all these new campers? Oh, that, yeah. And people who, they may be in good shape, you know, but um, they don't know the outdoors. They haven't thought through everything. And they might be from another part of the country and just don't realize what weather is like in other places, even though they think it's not that hot, it really is, or the humidity, or the at, altitude. The altitude, and, and they're not familiar with that. Right. And, I mean, there are a lot of newbies out there, and that's that's part of the problem. So um, just be smart, do some research, think about it before you take any chance for yourself and for those who would have to come and rescue you. We have lost another popular boondocking spot. This one is near Asheville in North Carolina. And this one is uh, called Max Patch. It's located in the Pisgah National Forest. The Citizen Times in Asheville showed video of how overrun this beautiful spot has become. The U.S. Forest Service has closed uh, the spot now for two years. Why? Because previous attempts to control the overcrowded spot were not effective. Max Patch is a place that offers spectacular mountain views. It attracts campers who then left behind piles of human waste, illegal campfire pits, unwanted camping equipment. It's just a, a story that I think we're repeating uh, and, and telling different places every week. It's like it doesn't stop. And it just breaks our heart, as I know it breaks your heart too and makes you angry that people would be so irresponsible and not take care of this treasure that we have. Now, we have heard all sorts of suggestions about what do you do about it. Some people say huge fines, uh, jail time for irresponsible campers, uh, make everybody who's going to go uh, disperse camping get a permit in advance. Uh, all of those are some of the things that have been proposed uh, for people, but I don't know. Others say the RV industry needs to spend more time educating consumers. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, they're just so busy selling it, and they're selling this vision of RVing that, you know, at least right now is not practical or is not actually accurate, you know, unless you do some thinking about alternate campgrounds and stuff like that. Uh, so the industry, I think, could really step up and help us a lot of that. And then other people just say, you know, it's all going to settle down. Just be patient, you know, let everybody go and it'll all work out. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but maybe you do. We would yeah. love to hear, you know. It would be really nice to hear your thoughts on this, how you think that we can slow this down. I mean, you say, give it time. Is there going to be anything left if we give it time? <laughs> Seems like they're kind of destroying everything. So what we'd love you to do is to uh, send us your thoughts. Uh, one of the things that is great is just to take your cell phone and uh, set it in selfie mode and say, hey, Mike and Jen, here's my ideas on how you can do it. And then you can email us that and we'll have, be able to uh, wrap you right into the podcast. Or you can also just send us an email with your thoughts and suggestions. The best way to do that is just use our address, Mike and Jen at rvlifestyle.com. Just email us those selfies uh, or uh, selfie videos uh, and uh, and uh, your questions as well, your comments, Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. We'll be right back, and when we do, we'll have the RV questions of the week. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. 
Battleborn batteries. Battleborn batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And Battleborn batteries are protected by a 10 year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And they'll probably be the same on your rig, too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. Let's talk about protecting your RV from the elements. And the best way we know how to do that is with empirecovers.com, makers of quality covers for your RV that will protect them from rain, mud, pollen, and other elements that you have to waste your time cleaning or worse that can end up damaging your vehicle. Whether you own an RV, a travel trailer, or a camper, EmpireCovers.com is here to help you protect all your vehicles against Mother Nature. They offer high-quality, affordable covers that are engineered to protect every cover. Comes with a free warranty to guarantee it remains durable. The RV podcast listeners can receive free shipping plus an extra 15% off their entire order. Visit them at EmpireCovers.com slash RV Lifestyle. EmpireCovers.com slash RV Lifestyle. EmpireCovers.com. Protect what you love. Welcome back. And now it's time for the RV questions of the week. And we love getting your questions. This one comes from Jeff Burke. And Jeff is in Arlington, Texas. Hi, this is Jeff Burke from Arlington, Texas. And I had a question about the boondocking and how it's been impacted by all the full state parks and national parks. What's been the impact? Thanks. Enjoy your show. Well, Jeff, as we just reported, it seems like every week more and more boondocking spots have been shut down. Yeah, it's a a growing problem, Jeff. I, I don't know how... You know, it's hard. I don't want to be called, you know, Bad News Wendland. They did that when I was an investigative reporter for many years, but... You don't know what most people are just pretending like there aren't any problems out there, or they're just kind of oh, it'll all settle down. Uh, it, it does affect boondocking. I mean, there are uh, plenty of places, plenty of places, and there's plenty of campgrounds as we in that new segment that we're doing called Hidden Campground Jewels. There's still great places where you can you can you can get out there and boondock, but. Um, the most popular boondocking sites, the ones that are in almost every book, they uh, uh, they're crowded. You know, there's more competition. Your best chance, of course, always in the summertime is to go during the middle of the week. Um, many boondocking spots are dispersed camping, so it's first come, first served. Uh, we have um, heard of several people who have gone to some of the favorite places that they've used before, and they've been filled. Uh, the key is to go deeper into the national forest, into the park. And a little hint that uh, we would give you is to uh, stop at the ranger station, find the headquarters for the state forest or the national forest, go into the ranger station and actually have a face-to-face with somebody and say, where would you think my best place for dispersed camping? Those guys love to share their favorite hints and they'll give you one. Mm-hmm. Now let's go to our next question. This is one we recently had on our RV Lifestyle YouTube channel. 
came during our Ask Us Anything program that we do every Sunday night. And uh, here's the question and our answer. Dan Seftow. I know you use a drone for some of your video shots. Have you gotten any complaints about using it? Did you have major problems when you first started using it? Uh, well, I've had a drone now for probably six years. And uh, there are fewer and fewer places where you can fly it. Uh, drones got a really bad rep, and I, I really don't know why. Uh, I've never, I use mine for just video. Because uh, there's always a few fools out there yeah. chasing animals around. And, yeah, that's it. Uh, you know. We talked to a guy who flies uh, for the Air Force, and he didn't have a good uh, thing to say about drones because, you know, they, he's run into them, not run into them literally, but he, he says they can't even take off uh, if there's one in the area. Uh, hmm. In a helicopter, they can't, fly, they can't fly if there's a drone in the area. So they can do a lot of damage, but, um, you know, I have not. I probably, I would love to use it more. Uh, I love to get those long shots of us driving down the road with it. And uh, I love when we're in a really nice spot to send it up and show everybody where we're, we're staying. So I've not had any complaints, but we tend to be in the middle of nowhere. You can't use them in national parks and many state parks don't. So always find out whether you can fly a drone there. And um, maybe there needs to be more licensing on. Well, it's pretty. It? It, yeah, there's, you know, it's kind of if, if for hobbyists, you don't need one. If you. Uh, are commercial in any which way and, and you have to get a license for it and that's just about as hard as getting flight school for an airplane you got to know tons of stuff but it's worth doing it is you know if you like it in terms of problems starting using it, it you know no uh, i don't the biggest problem i have is i'm not a video game player if you play video games all the time you you'll take to it like crazy the system I have now, which is just the, the little uh, uh, Mavic Air, I think it's their latest model, but I bought this really nice controller with it. So I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to look at a picture through my smartphone. I actually have a nice little unit that's that's part of the, the whole thing. That's their studio, whatever it is. I don't know what the, what the name of it is, but it, I love it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Just be careful where is it and don't get, don't get cocky with it. And don't go harassing animals or people and you and stay out of national parks with it. Don't use it there and you'll be fine. I don't even know if they're welcome in state parks. Some state parks you can. Oh, can you? Uh, just ask. Many you can't. So, All right. That question came to us uh, on our Ask Us Anything live stream that we do every Sunday night at live streams at 7 o'clock Eastern time on YouTube and on Facebook. And if you've never caught that show, uh, join us and uh, we'd love to uh, see you in the audience. It's kind of fun doing uh, that live feed. We actually take your questions as they come in, put them up on screen and we answer them. So Sunday nights, 7 p.m., YouTube and Facebook, ask us anything. All right, if you have a question or a comment that you'd like uh, to uh, share with our RV community, just uh, do a little selfie and send it to us at Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. And now it's time for the RV Lifestyle Interview of the Week. We have Joe Holland, the CEO of Harvest Hosts. Now, Harvest Hosts was in the news recently because it just uh, acquired, uh, purchased uh, Boondockers Welcome. Both of those are alternatives to campgrounds. Uh, Harvest Hosts, as you may know, or you certainly should know by now, is, uh, is, a, um, is a membership site 
that uh, lets you camp for free overnight at uh, wineries and bars, uh, breweries, uh, vineyards, uh, museums, museums, golf courses, golf courses, farms. We've stayed at well, we've stayed at alpaca farms. Mm-hmm. We stayed at a golf course. We've um, uh, stayed at a museum. And uh, and how about the uh, alligator farm? Oh, that was fun. We stayed at an alligator farm in. Uh, in um, Mississippi, I think that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, Harvest Hosts, and we talk about them all the time. Boondockers Welcome is uh, also a membership site. It's a little bit different. It works uh, with private property. People who have maybe a backyard, maybe it's their driveway, maybe it's their back 40, and they've got some property. There are RVers usually themselves, and they say, come on, you can stay for free on our land. And many of them, um, even though they say boondockers welcome, many of them have hookups, as we'll learn in this interview with Joel. So what does that mean? Uh, It means there's more places to camp, more alternatives to traditional campgrounds. So uh, Joel Holland is our guest, and uh, let's uh, roll that interview as we talk about Harvest Hosts and boondockers welcome. But joining us now to talk about this merger or acquisition, Joel Holland, CEO of Harvest Host. Joel, is this going to work? Yes. Yeah, so thanks, Mike. I think it's going to work really well. Harvest Host, we have a very uh, clear mission, which is to provide amazing camping experiences. And Harvest Hosts, you know, went a long way in that mission. We, we're now at almost we're 2,500 hosts around North America. Boondockers Welcome is a program that I've also loved for many years. The founders. Anna and Marianne did a wonderful job creating this network of 3,000 hosts. Um, it's different. You know, th- these are boondockers welcome. These are hosts. These are people's homes, private property where you're really visiting and, and getting to know the locals, getting the local experience, becoming, you know, it's more community driven is the easiest way to put it. So, you know, now combined, we have 5,000 locations that we feel provide amazing RV experiences for campers. And so, you know, I've known about the program for for years. I've been in touch with the founders for years. And when I heard that they were potentially ready to um, move on, you know, retire, move on to the next project, I put my hand up and said, look, we please let me have an opportunity to acquire the company because we, we promise we'll keep the spirit of it alive, the community-driven spirit, just like we have with Harvest Hosts. A lot of people have used uh, Boondockers Welcome and I think their biggest worry is uh, what happens to their memberships, those who yes. are already members. What happens to them now? Yes, it's a great question. We're not messing with anything. So, you know, really for, for, for a few months, we're doing nothing. We're, we're just keeping the existing website, all the ex- existing technology is all separate. Nothing will change. In the longer run, our goal is to support the technology just like we did with Harvest Host. We have, we have a large team now of 26 employees that are going to work on improving some of the trip planning features, the booking system. We've, we've put a lot of time and money into these things. So over time, we'd like to just improve the technology without disrupting anything. And then eventually we're going to allow Harvest Host members to join Boondockers Welcome with, with a slightly discounted rate, but we're not going to just give it to them. The idea is these are two different programs. They're always going to be two different programs. We're going to support them all on the same apps and the same website so that if you're using both programs, it's really easy to search and find both types of, of hosts. But our goal is not to mess with a good thing. I mean, the reality is you, it's a great program. Do you eventually see a single membership that you could have that would do Harvest Hosts 
uh, and uh, Boondocku. Yes, uh, it's something we're working on. We'll probably release it towards the end of this year. It'll be a, a premium membership of sorts, and it would include both programs for well, a discount. It's, it's kind of like what you have already with Harvest Host, because you have the, the traditional breweries and the farms and the wineries and the uh, tourist attractions. But then uh, a couple of years ago, you acquired the golf part of it, so they can now stay at golf course. And those are two different tiers, I guess, or different plans. Yes. So would a Boom Valkyrie's Welcome be kind of like a third offering in there? That's exactly right. So there'll be the Harvest Host Classic membership, which is we're now over 2,000 locations, wineries, breweries, distilleries, museums. You can then add on golf, which now has over 400 golf courses for a nominal fee around like $20. You know, it's not too much. And then soon you'll be able to also add on Boondockers Welcome. Also for a, a nominal fee, probably more than more than the golf courses because it's a much bigger program. But yes, you can basically have all three if you like. And then, and then you're looking at over 5,000 locations that you can stay at and find all through one app and one website. Now, I'm getting email now from people who say, quit telling everybody about Harvest Hosts because they're worried that the same thing that is happening in campgrounds and in many other boondocking spots on public land, that so many people are going out there. They're worried that they're they're not going to find a spot. Jennifer and I just came back. We just did a, uh, a week-long camping trip. We couldn't get in state parks. We got in, I think, one or two nights and we didn't want to give up the thing. So we used Harvest Hosts and actually were the only ones. In one spot, we were the only ones on an 80-acre gorgeous fruit farm in northern Michigan. So people are worried about crowds, and that has not happened that we've seen. And we're very regular Harvest Host units. But is that a concern that you have? You monitor these hosts. Are you experiencing overcrowding at some of them? I noticed you just recently insisted everybody kind of reread the rules that are members yep. and note that if you're going to not show up, cancel so that there's room. Talk That's about right. the pressure on, on camp space and on Harvest Host Bats. Totally. As we've all seen, it's very difficult to get into campgrounds these days. Some of my favorite campgrounds here in Colorado and even pushing into Utah I can't get into them. I, I try for cancellations. <laughs> That's about the only way to get in yeah. these days. I've also had no problems, though, using Harvest Hosts so far. But it's the thing that keeps me up at night. When I think about our program, what I'm most worried about is oversaturating the hosts. And so we are very cognizant of that. We've hired, I mean, in the last month, we've hired like five new host recruiters. And these are individuals working full-time, going out and finding all these additional amazing small businesses to join the program. And right now we're adding, we're adding over 200 per month, right? So that's up from our old, our old historical high of hundred a month. We've doubled that. So 200 per month. We now put a host newsletter out or sorry, member newsletter out twice a month because we can't fit 200 in one newsletter. So we break them up. Um, our goal is to add over a thousand new locations this year and, and keep at that pace. So I, I think I'm convinced there are tens of thousands of incredible small businesses around the country that can that, that want RVers to visit and support their businesses and have beautiful locations. So so far we're not we're not running out of space. And and we can see this now because we have this new booking system. We call it the request to stay system. So over half of our hosts, over a thousand of them, now book automated booking through our website. We look at that data very closely to see how many are filling up. You know, look, if you're staying if you're just going right off the highway to the obvious hot spots, yes, they're going to be full. But like you and Jennifer did, go out and explore, right? Find some of these interesting hosts that are not right off the highway. Number one, they're more scenic because there's no highway. And number two, 
quiet. I mean, there's there, when I go and, you know, drive 30 minutes, 40 minutes off of my route to go find a host, I'm usually the only person there, just like you and Jennifer. With the boondockers, welcome. There are a lot of people who are kind of reevaluating their whole camping style now. In fact, the industry itself is wondering just what is camping anymore? And a huge part of it is because of technology and because of being able to go off the grid and boondock, more and more people are realizing this is a preferable way uh, for us to get out in our RV rather than camping. So for those who want to say, I want to tap into that Boondockers Welcome Network right now, can they join that now? Or do they have to yes. wait until you go all together? Or? No, you can join now. Uh, if you just go to boondockerswelcome.com, the price is uh, $50. And, and we're not raising the price probably until next year. Before we purchased the program, the price was going to be increased because it hasn't been increased in years. But we're going to hold off on doing that for the rest of the year. And so, yeah, go to boondockerswelcome.com or wait until the end of this year. If you're a Harvest Host member, we are going to create some package discounts. So if you want to use it for this travel season, then go to the website now and you know it's only $50. Pays for itself in one night. But it, it's, it really is a great program. So I encourage people to check it out. You know, it, it's called Boondockers Welcome, but it's been our experience that I think almost every Boondockers Welcome spot we went to had at least some kind of a hookup, either electric or water. And these are usually places that are owned by RVers and their own private property. So you have this understanding of what your needs are. But yeah, 75% uh, actually of the Boondockers Welcome hosts have hookups, which is really incredible. I want to end this interview with where do you see camping in another five uh, six years. How is it going to change? What are we going to lose? What are we going to pick up? Do you see things evolving in, in the camping space? Yes. You know, RVing, I guess, is a lot like steering a ship. Like things move kind of slowly because the, the RV units sell quickly for campgrounds to keep up. They need to build new ones, which we're seeing a lot of that now. So there's a lot of new construction happening, but these campgrounds really aren't going to come online for the next couple of years. So I think in the short run, we're going to see a squeeze on locations. In the long run, it's going to normalize and, and hopefully get back to kind of an equilibrium. So you'll be able to go to campgrounds like you used to be able to, or select from alternative inventory, which is what we consider ourselves. And, and so to me, and I always say this, we don't compete with campgrounds. I use campgrounds hundreds of days out of the year. We complement campgrounds. So you can stay at the campgrounds. You can go to the Harvest Host location, go to a winery, or meet a nice boondockers welcome host. These are the different experiences you can have. And I think over time, that's how camping evolves. Is It's no longer just campgrounds or just state parks. It's campgrounds and experiences. And we want to be the group that provides the experiences. Well, you already are doing that. It's no secret to our audience. Huge users and fans of Harvest Hosts and Boondockers Welcome as well. It just a, it's a great organization. And uh, Joel, we'll keep checking in with you every couple months. We want to hear and f keep on track of everything that's new. And when you announce all these new programs, let's make sure we share it with our audience as well. But meantime, we'll see you at a Harvest Host location. We'll Very good. Well, all thanks, right. Mike. Oh, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. I really like Harvest Host, and if you can't find a spot, give it a try. Try it out. You're going to like it. Now, we just did a trip uh, along the lake here on Shoreline. In fact, I think we're showing some of that uh, in the next week on YouTube. And uh, we couldn't get into campgrounds, into state park campgrounds. We got into a couple of nights, but basically um, everything was booked. But we supplemented those days at Harvest Host locations, and 
frankly, the Harvest Host locations were better spots than the state parks we were trying to get into. Yeah, we stayed at a, at a farm, and we picked strawberries. And, in fact, I'd like to go back in a month or so and when the raspberries and the blueberries are ready. Yeah, uh, so it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and uh, we can save you some money if you are not a member of Harvest Host. You can use our special affiliate link, and you can save 15% off your membership fee. So that address is rvlifestyle.com slash hh, rvlifestyle.com slash hh. 15% is a good discount. When we come back, we're going to look at hidden campground gems, so stay with us. All RVers need specialized emergency transportation coverage to cover air and ground ambulances, return to home services, and vehicle return. You only have a 68% chance that those services will be completely covered by your major medical. The sad reality is that a lot of people believe they have that coverage, but it turns out most carriers that claim to cover air ambulances only cover you for a hospital-to-hospital transfer and offer no coverage to get you to the initial hospital in the first place. The truth is 68% of air ambulances are hospital-to-hospital. Here's a map of all the places in the U.S., that getting to the hospital in the golden hour is not possible without an air ambulance. And with an average cost of $52,481 for an air ambulance, why would you take the risk? Go to peaceofmindforrvs.com today and take a look at the true emergency transportation coverage they offer that covers it all. The coverage can save your life and your life savings. Check it out, peaceofmindforrvs.com. Jennifer and I are members, and we urge you to consider it too. Peace of mind for RVs.com. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country, and there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just want to shop. In fact, uh, we have so much fun with uh, Camping World, and as we talk about it as one of our sponsors, they have agreed to offer a 10% discount if you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you buy $99 or more in merchandise. You'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gas. Just check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com. Welcome back, everybody. And now it's time for Hidden Campground Gems. Just because everybody says they're full doesn't mean that you can't get a spot that night or the weekend or another time that seems impossible but is not really. If you know where to look... Uh, you can find some true hidden campground gems. So this is a, a new service, a new, a new feature that we've added to the podcast from our friend Mark Kep over at campgroundviews.com. And uh, Mark, uh, his challenge is to find us a hidden gem of a campground that's usually near a fairly popular area where everything else seems to be booked up. And uh, it's, uh, he's been uh, up to the challenge so far. Uh, the one he's going to show you today is a particularly neat one. We'll put a link so you can go check it all out yourself. Uh, but uh, let's go and uh, check in with Mark Kep of Hidden Campground Gems. Thank you, Mike. And hello, everybody. Mark Kep here. And today we're going to go find a hidden gem outside of the L.A. area. Why? Because I want to prove to you all that you can find campsites if you know where to look for them 
even during peak camping outside of one of the largest metropolitan areas in the country. So this campground, I'll describe it for you real fast. It's located in the mountains, about 6,000 feet of elevation. It's close to lakes for fishing. It's close to um, towns for shopping and gas. It's remote, so it's pretty quiet out there. There's ample trails for off-roading, and you can actually drive off-road vehicles in this area. There's hiking, there's mountain biking, and it's reasonably close to the urban area. That campground is called Crab Flats Family Campground. It's located between Lake Arrowhead and Big Bear Lake, um, above this Green Valley Lake that you see there. Crab Flats is a U.S. Forest Service campground. The sites are $26 per night, but if you have your Golden Age passport or whatnot, you're, you can get the discount that you would deserve, so half off of these RV sites or campsites. The roads are a packed dirt. Uh, the sites are packed dirt. And as you can see, they've got these posts marking it so people can't go off-roading all over the place. It's a well-designated campground, good spacing, and a really wooded setting, but not overly wooded. So there's shade, but there's also open areas. This place in July will get hot during the day, but at night, it will also cool down. You can see the blue sky. You're up out of the smog and haze of the valley in a really beautiful area. And now the reason I picked this one um, for its location is this. I'm going to just select a date in the short term, say about a week out, and update my criteria. And as you can see, there are sites available in this campground in the short term. The catch with this one is, is the road into it is not paved. It's a dirt road. So make sure you go to the U.S. Forest Service website for Crab Flats Campground and get their specific turn-by-turn -turn directions. Don't use your GPS. Trust me, I've done that for this campground, and it was quite an adventure that I would never send anybody else on. I'll just give you a hint. If you're, if you're heading to this campground and you're routing through a neighborhood and then it tells you to make a right along some power lines, you're going the wrong way. Don't go that road because it ends with some drops and some rocks and kind of crazy. I've done it. I made it. I wasn't going camping there. I was just going there to check out the campground and um, review it for you. So Crab Flats Campground is our hidden gem of the week, located outside of the Los Angeles Basin. $26 a night and a unique location that may be available in the short term if you're looking for a unique spot to go camping. Back to you, Mike. That truly is a hidden gem. And if you want to learn more about it, just look at the link below on your screen. Now, Mark Kep is from campgroundviews.com, and his whole website is devoted to helping you find sites like that and see it in 360-degree views, all that stuff. So when you're over there looking at that site he just showed us, you can uh, ch check some of the other ones and see what's out there. Uh, Hidden Campground Gems, it's a regular feature now of the RV Podcast. Every week you'll, uh, you'll see it about this time in the program. Now it's time for one more feature, and it's also one of our most uh, popular ones uh, with our friends Tom and Patty Burkett. So where are they taking us this week? Well, this week we are going to Coastal Maryland. Hi, Mike and Jennifer. Starting just south of Wilmington, Delaware, and extending all the way to Virginia Beach, Virginia, is a long strip of land. On the east, it's bounded by Delaware Bay and the Atlantic Ocean. On the west, you'll find Chesapeake Bay. This strip is called the Delmarva Peninsula, after the three states that lay claim to some piece of it. Most of the western side, stretching far south of Washington, D.C., is part of Maryland and is called the Eastern Shore. Among other historical aspects, it's Harriet Tubman territory and has been settled by Europeans since the first arrivals to the continent. Long before European settlers arrived, 
oysters were being harvested in this body of water. Huge piles of shells, called shell middens, are scattered along the shore of the bay, some of which date back nearly 4,000 years. In addition to oysters, many other forms of seafood are harvested here. No surprise, then, that fishing villages dot the shore and the many small islands along the coast. On a recent trip to the area, we visited several of the islands, looking for seafood and a taste of the area's culture surrounding the fishing industry. Our first stop was Deal Island, fairly well known as a source of blue crabs and home to a Maryland state treasure we hoped to see. Crossing the bridge onto the island, we saw boats docked at the marina and recognized them as skipjacks. Named for flying fish like the skipjack tuna and skipjack mackerel, these boats sometimes appear to fly over the water. Their shallow hulls and large sails are especially suited to the winds and the bottoms of the bay. There were, they were developed in the early 20th century for oyster harvesting and in 1985 were named the State Boat of Maryland. Skipjacks have become synonymous with the campaign to clean up and restore the bay. Nearly 60 of them were in active service in the 1950s. Today about 30 remain on the water and fewer than a dozen are still in commercial use. Of those, most sail from Deal Island. We saw five while we were there, each one carrying the large numbered placard on the mainsail stays that is its permit to harvest in the bay. At one marina, we were able to get an up-close look at a boat that was getting some maintenance. They're very utilitarian craft, simple on the decks with lots of room to work, and beautiful at a distance from which their proportions can be appreciated. Just as the bay continues to suffer from over-harvesting and agricultural runoff, the skipjack fleet struggles too. It has been named to the list of America's 11 most endangered historic places, and only time will tell if these boats will end up in museums or back on the water. Meanwhile, you can still see them here on Deal Island, and while you're here, stop at one of the several crab businesses and take home a taste of Maryland's eastern shore, far off the beaten path. They certainly have a knack for finding these great spots. They do. Tom and Patty Burkett are regulars on the podcast, and also you can find them on our RV Lifestyle travel blog as well. We have lots of their reports, and you can find all the ones they've done over the years, many, many different places off the beaten path. And with that, we come to the end of uh, another episode of the RV Podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed it, and we want to again remind you to please uh, send us your questions, your comments, be a part of the program. Our email address is mikeandjen at rvlifestyle.com. Till next week, we'll see you down the road. Happy trails.